Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives that we lead on our path to self-mastery. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Hey, Karen, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? And I'm really doing great. How are you doing today? Good, good. I, I appreciate the caveat right off the bat. And to the people that are listening, they're going to be like, what the hell is that about? Why would she say it like that? Well, we were talking about how certain people will just say, yeah, I'm doing good no matter what. And you can look in their eyes and tell like, no, today's been pretty fucked or something has been going on. Like, what's what's up with you? And Karen had said, you know, things have been a little crazy, but today's been one of those great days. And I appreciate that you're honest with me about that and you're honest with yourself. And I think that's going to tie into everything we're going to talk about today, because you had to be honest with yourself to be able to go through the things that you needed to, to experience. And, you know, I'm just going to start pouring into this thing. So Karen, why don't you just tell us what do you do for a living? And what's one thing that most people don't know about you that's maybe odd or bizarre? Well, the easy one is I'm a certified psychic medium and a certified psychic investigator. And the one thing people don't know about me, there's probably a lot of things. I'm not super, it's, it's usually not about me. It's about someone else. Uh, here's a fun one. I used to work out at the House of Pain boxing gym in Houston. And one morning early, I had someone behind me tell me to keep my elbows in. And I turned around and it was Evander Holyfield giving me boxing tips. Wow. Wow. Did, did you know right off the bat who it was or was it just some oh, dude yeah. telling you? Okay, good. Well, just the voice, I didn't know who it was because I turned around kind of with an attitude like, please, <laughs> who are you to be giving me pointers? He's a Vander Holyfield. That's who he is. Yep. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Only if you asked that, like, well, who are you? And if you responded, but Vandy Ho Vander Holyfield, like, oh, <laughs> nice to meet you, sir. Thank you. Please don't punch me in the mouth. Oh, okay. I'll work on that. That's cool. <laughs> so was that his only tip? Was just that? And he kind of wandered away? Or were you like, hey, you want to help? Uh, he, we had a lot of good laughs. He uh, was working out there as like a private place where no one would find him before a big fight. So it was like a hideout place. And he ended up in the ring next to me. And uh, we had a lot of laughs back and forth that morning. And... Yeah, no more, no more key boxing tips for me, but just some good laughs. He's actually, he was really a very, very pleasant guy. That's so cool. That's got to be cool, even just being in that space and knowing that's where he chose to do his workouts, to be able to get away from people, but still randomly run into you because that's, you didn't choose to work out there because of a fight that you have, you know? <laughs> Right, exactly right. And I always like when we meet people that we see in another life and that they're actually decent human beings because I've run into some that aren't. That's a, that's a good point, Karen. I mean, shit, that might take up the rest of the episode at this point. <laughs> well, it's authenticity. You know, you and I were talking about that before I hit record. I was like, one of the only things I'm going to ask you is just be authentic. If I can smell that you're not, I'm going to pull you into it. That's how this works. And that's what it's about. You know, it's crazy when I've seen people that are big rock stars or sports icons or whatever, 
that have the largest hearts. And you gotta, you gotta keep in mind, or we all need to keep in mind that they talk to so many people and it's not just me or some little kid that runs up to them or whatever. They're just, they're having these interactions all day long. So you can understand why they would be upset or pissed or just shitty with one person in particular or whatever. But the people that do it and do it right and understand, it's, it's almost like they understand it at a deeper level because it's not just about them. It's what these people see. I agree. There is something bigger about them than just them. And they recognize that. I know they, have, they also have teams, coaches and people, not just for their sport or whatever they're doing, but mental and spiritual that they go through and they talk to because they have to deal with all that. Like you and I can walk outside and we can go to the store and maybe there's a person or two that might know us, you know, or maybe there's somebody from the podcast. It's like, hey, I heard that. But that's not happening like those people. And for them to have it every single day, I recently saw a quote with LeBron talking about wishing he could just go grab a cup of coffee and people not know him. But there's no way, just no way at all. Right. There's there's no way at this point. And I think that people, you know, they say, I didn't ask for this or, uh, you know, but in a in a way, it's it's built into to movie stars, to sports Fan. We've talked about sports, and but I also believe that the public needs to hold a little space too. If somebody's sitting, eating dinner, has their family, doing whatever, and there's a line of people to come say hi, I can also totally see the irritation level up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. I would be pissed, and it would be hard to not not get aggressive at times. Um, and you see certain people that do that, but that's, that's just got to be difficult for them. And now, obviously, this is the whole point of what we're going to talk about. But the authenticity of it is and the people that understand that there's just a deeper connection that can be had and that somebody can look at them and turn into somebody else. Like I think of when Kobe Bryant would say, like, you never know who's coming so far away to be able to see my games and him not wanting to sit out games. Like that's a very selfless thing to be able to think about that. Understand that there's some little... Steph Curry kid that's sitting there waiting to see the game. You know what I mean? And some have events that raise that. Like, I think Hamlin will be an entirely different human being now, right? Like, he's like experienced. He's experienced the other side. I believe he's seen the other side and come back. And I think that he now recognizes that space around him of support and and just being so thankful to be here. So I think that there's also that side when people have that actually, they have that moment of, of recognition, of realization that can really adjust an attitude also. Not to say he had a bad one because I don't think he ever had a bad one. I mean, you know, this is always what he's known for, right? So I think that he's always had that in him, but I think it's taken him to a whole new level of who he's really going to be in And I've life. got chills just even thinking about that. You know, you, you totally nail it, especially with him and how that was what he was known for, that heart signature. And then being able to have the heart situation. I think there was even a tweet that he had posted about... um about knowing that this was for this was what he was supposed to do. I'm telling you that stuff. That's that's my space. That stuff doesn't happen by accident. Yeah, and I I can imagine even if it did, it's got to take that person to be really self-aware to understand that they're here for a reason, 
and a purpose to be able to do something with that. And I, I know part of what we were talking about before and even just doing the research and getting to know you a little bit from what's online, that there's a backstory to what you've gone through to be able to get to where you're at today. So why don't we take a little bit of a step back, give us some context and maybe start off with what the actual talent is and then how you started to form that and see it. Well, uh, the talent is um, that I talk to dead people and um and i and i love it and it's been a huge growth and learning curve for me i started out when i was very young i know that we all have psychic abilities um, we all have that intuition, that inner knowledge, that gut feeling of things. And I know that we all have that. And from there, I know that we can all develop and strengthen our psychic abilities, which is then knowing about other people. That's like, I think about you and suddenly you call me and I haven't talked to you for a year, right? That's the cusp of that. But then there's the next step to that, which is mediumship. And that's actually when you're talking to dead people and not everybody has exercised that muscle in their brain and not everybody has that connection. So for me, when I was growing up, I heard voices <laughs> And when you say that and you think about the bigger scope of mental health awareness and everything that goes with that, plus I'm raised in the Midwest and I call it, you know, the sliced white bread house. We had everything we ever needed and, and, uh, and had nothing all at once. And that was great. And when I was able to come up with things about maybe who was going to be passing and the neighbor might, you know, I mean, I knew, I knew when the neighbor was going to pass and I was probably in third grade and just proudly announced it at the dinner table because I hadn't built that filter yet. And so the feedback to me was, shut the fuck up. <laughs> What dinner talk is that? The neighbor's going to die. Are you going to kill the neighbor? Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> yeah. And so I ended up in turn that, you know, it, it was this, it was a, it was a battle. My, my family didn't go to church, but I started going to church. <laughs> well, send her to church. I went to church. I went to Sunday school. I went to church service. I sang in the choir. I was horrible, but they dropped me off anyway. I, um, you know, there was a lot of stuff that started to happen. So then as I came in through probably junior high-ish years, I started to have a lot of health problems. And I developed these, um, these cluster headaches. I developed um, issues just with nervous, like my heart palpitations and that type of thing. So I had every medical test known to mankind run, which in the, you know, in the seventies, that's unusual when I'm telling you I went in and had a spinal tap, right? And so what ultimately happens at the end of all these tests and all this trying to shut the voices down and everything else, and I'm not aware enough to connect that this is all together, I get the great diagnosis of it's all in your head. 
And realistically, it's all in my head, right? It's, I mean, it's the way everything all, everything happens for a reason. I do believe that. I do believe that that path brought me to where I am today. But then in addition to that, they decided to send me to a self-hypnotist. And so in eighth grade, I think I was in eighth then, he said, this is what you're going to do. Every time your headache comes on, every time your heart starts beating out of whack, you're going to repeat, positive thinking brings me the results I want. And that's going to send you into self-hypnosis and miraculously, the headache's going to go away, your heart's going to go into normal rhythm, everything's going to be perfect. It didn't quite work that way, but what it did was it really taught me how to meditate. It was like a mantra, and it was a great mantra. I mean, positive thinking brings me the results I want. It was perfect for me. So I almost wonder if he didn't know at the time that I was okay, you know, that it was okay to hear voices, that he knew people that could hear voices. He never said that to me, but the way he handled me, I often think about him and sending me down that path. So the path he sends me on is into meditation and where is meditation send me straight back into chatting with the dead. So I just learned to not vocalize it. And so I, I just didn't. I didn't until I was 22 years old. And uh, a girl came into the office and she's like, hey, we're all going to see a medium. Now I've been to college at this point and I'd had all my whole catalog to go through to pick what I wanted to be when I grow up. She says, um, we're going to go see a medium. I said, oh, I said, what's a medium? Why do you want to go see somebody who's medium? Why not great? She says, she talks to dead people. You pay her and she talks to your dead people. I'm like, that wasn't in the college catalog. I can do that. That's a job. So from there, it really reopened everything for me. I went and got my first official reading. You know, I really kind of, she helped me, pulled me into different experiences and people. And so from there, it just kind of shot back out. Now, I'm not still on, my family is not um, super excited about my my choice of career now. So um, it's been uh, a struggle for them to accept it. And I honestly feel it's because of their own fears. So, and their own lack of knowledge. Typically always is, you know, when you think about telling somebody something, like I've had a conversation recently about this, like I'm going to say something big about this thing that's going on. But I don't know how this person's going to handle that because of their own shit, because of the situation they're in. And you know, and you can just feel it, or at least, you know, the intuitives that we can feel that we go, yeah, you're just not ready to be able to handle this yet. And that sucks, especially when they're close family. But I, I want to dive into the family piece a bit where <laughs> you talked about the neighbor dying and being really told to shut up, which is for something that all kids go through at some point 
And I think it's on the parents to be able to figure out like when you really need to tell your kid, you need to be quiet, like you're being super loud or you're just squashing something and the parents don't know. And I think we've all gone through something like that. Like, hey, I really like art or hey, I really like this. And the parents are like, you're not going to make money with this thing or that's not going to work or whatever. So in that moment, when you felt it and had no filter, especially as a little kid, like, Jimmy's going to die. Like, oh, shit, why? What? What do you mean? What? What is going on? Like, I can understand where that's a bit jarring, you know, like I asked you for the corn and you tell me the neighbor's going to die. That is ridiculous. Um, but what happened looking back now? How did you manage your mindset of like you are literally just told to shut the fuck up? in a space where you are just passing along a message. So knowing what you know now, what did that look like? And what do you take from that? You know, I think it had much bigger impact on me than maybe than I'll ever recognize. Uh, the things that I now recognize that I can look back on is that I was really raised in a space of be seen and not heard. And I think it was because of that. I think it was because of these things that I had no filter for that would come out. And I also feel like as that happened, that that impacted me through my adulthood. So I don't, it took me until I'm 61 now. So it took me until coming into my a little bit past midlife <laughs> to be able to say what I think and how I feel and put it out there and just not, not care anymore. It's a huge life lesson that I wish I could have looked back to that five-year-old and said, you know, this is about you can't forgive somebody for something that they don't recognize. Um, so I, it's not, I'm not, I don't look at it as I need to forgive my parents for that, right? Because they didn't recognize it. It was a fear. It was an unknown. We didn't know anybody else who did that, that that was their legitimate job, right? So there was nothing to compare me to. So there, it's not about forgiving them, but it's almost about forgiving yourself. And I think that in that, in that transition of life, it's a kind of a hard thing to verbalize, I guess. It's, it's that you really, I had to really fight to find my voice and to, and to be okay with that. And I also had to fight with something else that was telling me that I was mentally ill, right? So like beyond, beyond, like to the point where people were frightened that I was going to have to be put in a home. So I grew up in a space of fear and silence and I continued to hear stuff and know stuff. We talked authenticity. I've never had this conversation with somebody before. This is very interesting just going into that, into that space. It was, it was, I was scared growing up. 
I was scared of myself at an at an unusual level, I think. I never I never thought about it that way, but I do think I was. Well, I'm glad that you're thinking about it now, and I appreciate being open about it. I know it's not an easy thing, uh, especially to be able to look back at the younger version of you and to watch the movie. Like, even as you bring it up, you probably see it more vivid than anybody else would, the people there, especially yourself. And for you to feel that is a huge thing, you know? And that's it's huge to be able to actually talk through that, but go back and to be able to sit with that kid and be there with the kid is, is also another level to be able to get to where you can walk through and you can process through it. Big thing that you've said that I've gotten so far is you've forgiven yourself and you actively have forgiven yourself for shutting yourself down because of the silence that you had and because of the environment that fucking just calmed you down instead of helping you bloom. Makes sense, though, where people go, I don't know what the hell this is. Shut her up because I'm afraid. What do we do? I don't know. Just shut her up. And then that teaches you as a kid to just be quiet. And I think like we talked about even before I hit record, like this is the purpose to this call to you being on here to be able to talk through this because there are so many people that go through that inner calling that they just don't fucking think about anymore because somebody told them it wasn't going to work or somebody told them whatever because that person was fucking terrified of themselves. So now you've stepped into this and you said, well, fuck it. I don't care what these people think. I don't give a shit. And it's taken you a while to be able to get to that point, but you've still done it. So take away from me or for me even so far is just to continue to speak the voice that's internally, even if that voice sounds like dead people telling you things, just go talk to somebody about it. Now, did you end up talking with somebody like as a kid or what was it literally you just squished it all the way down until you were basically in your 20s? I um, was told in my don't talk about it to not talk about it when I was at the doctor's. To not talk about just to get the get the medical test done, right? To see what's going on. Just don't just don't talk about it. And again, I think it was out of fear for them that they were like, somebody will come take my child away, right? So um, it wasn't until I don't recall if I said anything to that self that self hypnotist guy. The only one I was ever alone with that was almost like therapy, but not. And so I don't recall if I ever said to anything to him, but the first person that I know I had the conversation with was that psychic medium when I was 22. And I sat down and she said, before she even started reading me, she said to me, well, she was reading me. She said to me, You're, you do this for a living? And I said, no. And she said, yes you do do this for a living. You can do this for a living. And so then I said, I, I think I, I really think I can. I do. <laughs> so that was the first time that I really kind of felt that it was a pressure, a change of pressure in my, in my body, um, where I felt, uh, you know, we stuff stuff down. We talk about that in, in our lives, you know, just bury stuff in there. And I, and I didn't really appreciate that until that moment when I literally physically felt a lightness. I felt it coming out. I felt this. Um, it was the beginning of building self-confidence for me. I really didn't even have self-confidence 
prior because I'd been told, you know, basically I was crazy. So it was a very unique situation for me, even in just building my human self into becoming successful. Wow. I love how there are building blocks within everybody's life, no matter what the medium, full pun intended, is for people because there are different things that just make sense. Like if somebody tells you no as a little kid, you're you're gonna shut down. That's how that works. It's a matter of being able to be uplifted out of that. And even as you're talking about it, it feels like a barometer change where it's like the head pressure just kind of opens up and you're like, oh, I can breathe. And of course you'd be able to actually think differently. So think about the time, not just that moment, but the times where you could really feel yourself getting into the, I think really the rhythm of being able to filter through, hear the voices and be able to do things with it that you knew, like not only did I make that right decision, but this is one of those pivotal moments where I really feel like it's, it's clicking. Uh, there was one huge pivotal moment for me. So I um, I suspect that a lot of it was just the buildup and starting to accept and understand that that this was actually not completely abnormal. And um, I was in corporate America. I've done a lot of work and I was we were currently developing an app, a parking app, like Airbnb for parking. And I'm Excel spreadsheeting, my favorite thing to do. And uh, quiet alone in my house. And I heard the first time I actually heard an external voice, at, like somebody else in the room. And the voice said, Karen, and I looked around and I honestly, I don't have any other way to say this other than to say there was such a comfort and love in the voice that I really thought it was God. And for a brief moment, I almost thought I transitioned or something. I wasn't too sure what had happened. And I can remember this like it was like the movies, like the dramatic pause. And then I heard my name again and I said, yes. And this voice said, your dad's going to pass tonight. Oh, damn. And the love and the compassion and the energy that came off of that voice still makes my hair stand because I knew it to be true. And that's the first time in my life that I understood it and I knew it to be true. So in turn, what it gave me the fantastic ability to do was to call my dad. I mean, he didn't call my dad and say, hey, somebody just said you're gonna die tonight. I called, I tested the water a little. Hey, how are you? No, I mean, really, like, how are you? <laughs> and we talked about his favorite subject, golf, and then we talked about our football teams, and then we just kind of chatted a little bit about life, and it was almost like he knew because it was a little bit deeper, and it was, and and I knew for sure at my end, and we got to have this great last conversation, right? Like, People don't get that usually. 
it's either strife through someone's going through illness and going into passing or it's sudden and we didn't get that chance. But I had that chance to call my dad and have a whole conversation with him. I get to call my brother and say, I don't want to have any conversation about this, but I can't get from Texas to Iowa in like the next couple of hours and you need to be there tonight and spend the night. So I'll be there in the morning. And he called me the next morning. Now, my dad came to me when he passed energetically. I knew. I think my husband thought I lost it at that point. I mean, people knew at, by this point in my life that I had that ability, but I don't think that they really knew I had that ability. So, you know, my husband comes home from the gym and I'm like, start packing, pack a suit. We're going home for my dad's funeral. And he's like, what? did your dad pass? Why didn't you call me? I'm like, he's going to pass tonight. Just start packing. And I know, I know my husband was like, okay. <laughs> so it was, it was a huge all the way around how people like how my husband was like a suddenly much more accepting. He doesn't get it. I don't think he wants to get it, but he understands it and he knows it happens. But it, it was something that changed not only me going through it, listening it, hearing it, experiencing it, being able, most importantly, to have that conversation with my dad, that it also gave me the direction and the desire to want to be able to gift that to people. What a hell of a way to be alerted of the thing, you know, not just of your dad. That's, that's gotta be a lot. So how did you, how did you handle that? And then in the knowing that this is happening and feeling it deep within, but still it's his, that's your dad and you're his daughter, you know? Yeah. And, and my dad's my person. I mean, my dad's my person. Um, I would tell you that it completely changed the way I expected my grief to be. At that point, I'd lost grandparents um, and I'd lost a good friend of mine and that was my age. And that was for the most part it. And uh, when my friend passed was one of those, you know, just be quiet and deal with it because we were younger then. And then when my grandparents passed, I oddly thought I was completely in control. I'll take care of everybody. <laughs> Every all you can cry on my shoulder. I'll be the strong one. And I can remember walking into the church before the service for my grandfather. And there he was. And I just melted. I, mean, I, was, I was shot. So to be able to see the change in the way I dealt with the grief, which can be an all-consuming grief is really powerful. And we experience grief at so many levels other than losing our loved ones, right? So there's so many times that we interact with grief in our life. And having that time that somebody allowed me to, to have that conversation, 
Like to me now, I know my dad is here. I mean, I know that without a doubt. There is no convincing me otherwise. There is life on the other side. My dad is here with me. And I was also able to say those things because I think a lot of the stuff with grief and losing our loved ones hinges on either I really wish I would have said something to them that I didn't get the opportunity to say or I waited my whole life to hear that one stupid thing and I never got to hear it. So having that closure in that conversation was so significant for me. It, it, yeah, it was huge. I mean, that, that is definitely one of those things that could jar you if you think about how certain times in life you just need to kind of get smacked in the face. Like, hey, get this point, you know, keep doing something until something actually hits you. For you to be able to feel all of that, it's almost like a sequence just fired all in a row. It was like somebody important, you're going to hear this, you're going to feel this, it is your time to be able to do this. And that's huge of you to be able to actually step up and step into that because there's still people. And I'm sure people that even listen to the show that still have that thing that's inside of them. They're like, yeah, but how do I listen to that? And what do I do? Like, what? Do, yeah, but my story is a bit different. So... Karen, on, on that note, what's that piece of advice you'd give to somebody that's on their path towards self-mastery? The biggest thing, which ties in a little bit to our earlier conversation, I really feel like it's kind of a cross between learning that you're enough, then believing that you're enough, and then forgiving yourself for the time that you weren't enough. Because if I would have known that I was enough, I would have made the best decisions for me. I wouldn't have been making them because I think somebody else wanted to hear something or somebody else didn't want me to do something. I would have always made those best decisions for me. I would have loved myself. I would have had confidence in myself. And then I could have followed my passions at, at a multitude of levels, all different walks of my life. I could have followed those. And then there is a big part too in forgiving. I think forgiving is, is huge. I really think it's huge. And so if I could have, I, I would say if everyone, if I, if I could give everybody one gift, it would be really to, to know in your inner core that you are enough and to forgive yourself for not believing that your whole life. It's a beautiful way to put that. <clears throat> and thank you for doing that with yourself. It takes a lot to be able to forgive yourself no matter what no matter what the thing was or however long ago it was. And that's got to be tough. So I appreciate you being on today and being open and honest with us. Uh, Karen, where can people find you and where can they connect with you and, and what you do? Well, you can find me at K 
KarenRomine.com, R-O-M-I-N-E. And uh, that's probably the best way. I'm Karen Romine Psychic Medium on all the social media platforms. And then if you're just curious and you've never had a reading before, you don't really know how it works and you just want to come and kind of watch, <laughs> lurk a little bit, I do events pretty much every month. There's one coming up uh, in a couple of weeks where I'd like to invite your listeners to just, they can jump on it on the homepage and get a free ticket and come in and uh, put I'll put the link, I'll give it to you for the show notes where they can just come and experience what a reading's like to just so that they know that there is life after death. That's awesome of you. I appreciate you doing that. Not everybody will open up the doors to be able to just kind of witness something like that. So yeah, all those, all those links are going to be in the show notes. And again, thank you, Karen. Appreciate you being on. It's great to chat with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self-Mastery Show. So, what did you think of the show today? I'd love to hear your thoughts. and Check out the Instagram or Facebook page to join the conversation. If you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. It helps us be found and helps others be healed. If this episode opened your eyes, made you think, or smile at all, then I'm sure it'll do the same for your friends. Check out the show notes for more info from today's episode and check out other episodes on the mindset and selfmasteryshow.com as well as our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and look up the mindset and self-mastery show. Thanks again to our incredible guests for being real, honest, and vulnerable with us today. I'd like to thank our sponsors. And most importantly, I'd like to thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Your support means the world to us. And with that, remember, your mindset matters, and so do you.